Welcome to another episode of Putting the Pieces Together with Jigsaw Learning. I am joined today by Jeff Thompson, the Assistant Superintendent of Learning and Teaching in Peace River School Division. So hi, Jeff. Thank you for being here with us today. Well, I'm glad to be here. Let's talk a little bit about the systemic approach at the district level to collaborative response. Let's start with, how did you first come to hear about collaborative response? Well, I joined the Peace River School Division team in August 2017 um, with a lot of previous background in education um, and a lot of work around PLCs and the like, but I had not actually um, uh, become been familiar with collaborative response. Um, it was a colleague of mine, Alita Plock, who had mentioned to me that she had attended a jigsaw learning session uh, facilitated by Curtis and felt that it would be a good way for us to move forward uh, to address some of our priorities. So through the conversation, uh, we did link up with uh, Curtis uh, through a, a telephone call. And from there, uh, I sort of became the point person and um, then um, proceeded to move forward so that we um, would share uh, our thoughts about uh, adopting collaborative response as a vehicle for change at the June uh, Administrators Association meeting where all of our principals and vice principals were in attendance. Curtis actually joined that meeting, uh, shared with the team, um, you know, a general overview of collaborative response. And from there, uh, we had very substantial support uh, which was what we really were intending to uh, achieve. Uh, so we had the buy-in from our uh, school-based leaders and um, uh, took it from there. So um, that then um, moved us forward to launch uh, kickoff uh, in August 2018, uh, where Curtis uh, delivered a full day on collaborative response. What is it about collaborative response that encouraged a system approach to its implementation? Well, what uh, I'd just like to say this, uh, collaborative response spoke to me in a very substantial kind of way. So I'll say, first of all, the reason I came to Peace River, one of the reasons was when I read uh, a small number of very simple words that said, learning together, success for all. Uh, that's a model that the division has, and it speaks to my uh, long-standing philosophy about uh, about education, about assessment and uh, and instruction, and so um, what collaborative response does is that it brings a deliberate and intense focus to the fourth third question, PLC question: What do we do when we find out that students haven't learned? And uh, while um, PLCs were intended to do exactly that, um, they oftentimes fell short of that for very good reason. That third question is the essence of the hard work of teaching. And so while it was in vogue uh, to establish a PLC in the early uh, to mid 2000s, uh, if you weren't on a PLC, you were somehow another, um, you know, deficient or there was malpractice, you weren't uh, in vogue with where all other educators were. Uh, I'm reminded of um, a quote from Michael Fullen that went something like this. He said, you know, PLCs are very powerful school based structures. But unfortunately, they can be very powerfully wrong because they're not focused about the right things. So uh, I've uh, dubbed uh, collaborative response the PLC 2.0. It's a reinvigorated PLC that actually guarantees, that ensures that there will be interventions, that the fourth third question will be answered. So that's um, really uh, essentially what uh, what spoke to me when I became 
uh, more immersed in what uh, the collaborative response was all about, I uh, quickly um, determined that it was philosophically aligned with uh, not only where I was uh, and where I am as an individual, but it really is about having that strategic, systemic, systematic, collaborative, shared, sustained approach to addressing that third question. Rick DeFore and company in a book in 2010 um, about narrowing the gap, success for all, talks about uh, the why PLCs necessarily needed to exist, that no one person can address that third question well. And yet uh, what happened, of course, is that people develop PLCs. And as I said, that they've quickly realized that was the hard work. So they ticked up all of the other boxes about uh, the, the importance of PLCs and what PLCs transformed uh, into really were collaborative structures in schools where teachers talked about their practice, they shared exams and assignments and so on, and they felt good about that and, it, you know, and for good reason. But the uh, student achievement needle didn't shift. So um, I read about, I read the book. Uh, it really spoke to me in a very significant way. I felt that that vehicle for change was very much aligned with the work that we were about to embark upon in Peach River School Division, the work of ensuring a better approach to differentiated instruction and differentiated assessment. And I've, I've used the word differentiated deliberately there. there. Uh, sometimes we say differentiated instruction and assessment. Well, if you don't differentiate the assessment to align with the differentiated instruction, you lose the, a lot of the substantial gains uh, that you had intended when you differentiated instruction in the first place. So it was very much aligned. And um, I was really excited to be, uh, become a point person for collaborative response and to uh, use it as our uh, vehicle of choice for change within the organization. And how then did you begin to implement collaborative response in Peace River School Division? Yeah, but that's an interesting one because, um, you know, a lot of the academics would say perhaps, you know, you start slow and you, uh, you know, do the slow implementation, do a soft launch and bring people on board slowly. And as one group and organization or one school uh, gains some uh, significant benefit, another school takes notice and they come on board and you move it that way. We actually chose to do it in a slightly different way. In fact, in a very significantly different way. And after the June 2018 um, half hour 45 minute session that uh, Curtis shared with our leadership team. Subsequent to that, we made the decision that we were moving forward full bore with collaborative response for all of our schools, that all schools would become involved. And that, as I mentioned earlier, the, uh, the August kickoff would be the launching of that where all teachers and EAs would be in attendance and we would share um, uh, you know, what, a little bit more about what collaborative response was all about. And so we move forward in that way. Now, I will say though, that while we move forward and we you know, said that all schools will be involved, like a real good teacher, uh, we differentiated the approach. We uh, are working in a manner whereby we recognize some schools were going to be more ready to adopt a collaborative response than other schools. For some schools, it was going to be a much longer journey uh, than for other schools. So one of the themes that we've um, 
uh, I guess, embraced in this organization is the importance of modeling for others what we expect of them. So we every day expect teachers to differentiate their instructional and assessment practices to meet the needs of the broad range of students within the school. Likewise, at the division level, even though we moved forward with collaborative response, we too recognize that there needed to be a differentiated approach so that the school that's struggling and a little farther behind not a problem. We're going to put different supports in place for you so that you will catch up in time and get to a spot where collaborative response is uh, functional and making a difference for you. And the front runners, if you will, perhaps the, you know, the trailblazers, if I could say, uh, you use Philip Slesky's term here, uh, they will be much further ahead and we will learn lessons from them. So we went forward in that kind of way. That was quickly followed up by uh, having Curtis attend some of our leadership meetings to continue the professional learning and to empower our principals and vice principals to become more knowledgeable about collaborative response so that they could become more effective change agents back in their schools. So right away, we um, uh, sent a strong message that collaborative response wasn't going away. It wasn't going to be the one or two year wonder. It wasn't going to contribute to the conversation that says, well, you know, if you don't like something, just uh, pretend you do, put your head in, in, into your shell, and a year or two later, there will be something new, and you will never have to change. We sent a strong, deliberate message that, you know what, uh, we are about change. We have to be in a different spot. Our students uh, aren't learning at the levels that they would like to learn, uh, that we want them to learn at. Um, uh, we don't currently have success for all. We have success for many, and in some instances, success for most. But our, our goal is success for all. So collaborative response is the vehicle to allow us to do that because it's going to more deliberately ensure that we answer the fourth third question. What do we do when we find out students haven't learned? Sent that message that uh, collaborative response is here for the long haul. We will be doing collaborative response as the approach to uh, broad-based change uh, for many, many, many years until it becomes deeply embedded as a part of the fabric of Peace River School Division so that it becomes so automatic. If somebody were to suggest something different, they'd look at you and say, what the heck are you talking about? So that's really uh, what it unfolded. So since then, um, you know, we've done a tier of, of implementation. So Curtis uh, in the 2018-19 school year came on board and uh, worked with our school administrators we expanded the leadership team in our larger schools so that there would be an eye coach and another teacher, for example, so they would have a, a nucleus of change agents that could go back and, and uh, perpetuate the change within the school. We then, uh, the next summer, uh, you know, we had another um, uh, kickoff that was uh, a further deepening knowledge about collaborative response. And then we, uh, the next year, Curtis came on board again uh, at our leadership meetings. And uh, that has been the pattern that we've established. Um, and we had a bit of a hiccup with COVID-19, but we're back on track for another August kickoff this year where we deepen the focus on collaborative response, particularly around literacy and numeracy, which are two of our, our big goals in our three-year plan. We have also uh, been deliberate about uh, bringing in sessions for our EAs. Um, and so uh, we've partnered partnered with um, Collaborative Response by our peers, I believe, and she's doing some work there and doing cafe, one-hour cafe conversations with uh, our K-4 EAs before Christmas next year, or semester one, I should say, and semester two with our um, other EAs, our grade five to nine or 10 EAs. So we're into a layering of, of implementation. 
responding to uh, schools that are in a slightly different spot and um, everybody is moving on the journey. And while some will be a little ahead of others, um, we're all moving along. And um, where we are right now is uh, getting to a place where there's a lot more cross-pollination of ideas. So schools are actually saying that they want to spend more time talking with another uh, group of uh, teachers in another school. And I say, you know, isn't that wonderful? Because four years ago, if we said to schools, you know what, on a go forward basis, we're going to require that you reach out and have conversations with another staff, we probably would have had some resistance and pushback. And now, uh, through a um, uh, an approach that we've uh, adopted and a, and a movement forward, schools are reaching out to ask uh, and, and talk to, to have conversations about how, you know, can we reach out and tap into other schools to share uh, best practices. So I'm feeling pretty happy about where we are actually. A long way to go, but we've, I think we've moved a long way in a short period of time. You've made note of being deliberate and intentional and very planned in your approach. If we break down some of the structures of collaborative response and take a look at um, the collaborative structures and processes in general, what happens at a district level to ensure that those are in place at a school level? Yeah, so that's a really important piece. Uh, and again, uh, I mentioned earlier about the importance of modeling. You know, I, I have a, a very simple view about leadership and it's that, you know, you can't expect others to take on leadership tasks and functions and activities and carry them out if you yourself don't uh, model exactly that. So, you know, there's an old adage that says never assign to something else, something you yourself wouldn't do. And if you do it yourself, then you only need to do it once or twice and then everybody comes on board. So we set up our team to do, uh, to do exactly that, not only for the sake of modeling, but doing what we need to do to be seen as supportive to uh, schools. So we've tried to cascade this in a way that says, you know, at the division level, we are working with principals and vice principals and other change leaders within a school. No different than at the school level, teachers are working with individual students. So every day we expect them to differentiate and to put structures and processes in place to ensure all children will learn. And so at the division level, we have to do the same thing. So what does, does that look like? what well, looks like a number of things. So one, one thing we deliberately did um, this year is that we've uh, developed a new three-year plan and we narrowed the focus substantially. In other words, zero in on a smaller number of things and do them well as, as a basic foundation for success. You build confidence and competence and then people are willing to uh, reach a little further and go beyond the edges. So our new three-year plan has a deliberate focus on literacy and numeracy development in an environment that's inclusive and responsive. So those are the, 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 uh, the I guess, the inclusive response environment pieces, the glue that holds together the literacy and numeracy thrust. Uh, we have developed literacy and numeracy frameworks that spill out the essential elements, um, uh, you know, associated with being a solid literacy teacher and a solid numeracy teacher. In numeracy, for example, we've developed the scope and sequence for grades four to nine so that we can bring a bit more sta uh, standardization in our approach to uh, instruction in mathematics so that all teachers could be teaching on the, the same uh, general topic at the same time. So when Jeff wants to reach out to Jennifer, 
uh, he knows that we are at about the same pace versus, you know, people just all over the place with regard to the, the topics that they choose uh, and so on. So we've done that pieces, uh, some of those pieces with our literacy and numeracy. We've also um, uh, taken the, our education plan and recently developed a template for PD for administrators. So what we've done is we've taken every, all of our uh, PD days, our admin association days, and we fleshed out a focus of attention, uh, the area of focus will be. And uh, so what it is, is developing this template, it's a great organizational structure, that when given to administrators, they can look at it and quickly plan their PD for the year. And we've set it up such that our admin association topics, uh, we will provide slide decks and provide PD for our administrators around collaborative response and the, you know, as the vehicle for change and moving forward. And then the following Monday, because the admin association meeting is on a Wednesday, the following Monday is a school-based PD day. Administrators can take that, uh, sl those slide decks and the new knowledge that they've gained and with confidence share that at their uh, site-based PD day. So it's the idea of, of deeply uh, doing a deeper dive and ensuring a deeper penetration of collaborative response thinking and, and uh, you know, and doing um, from, you know, we move from the administrative uh, level, the leadership level to the school-based level. We move that piece forward. We've also done some um, work in, uh, in developing continuum of support. And so the continuum of support, um, you know, in four domains, the academic, uh, the attendance module, uh, or domain, behavior, and mental health. And I'm very proud of the work that uh, was done there. It's anchored in the TQS expectations, uh, you know, uh, the competency expectations. And, uh, you know, we have the universal um, uh, continuum of support. Then we have, you know, tier two, the uh, classroom level, and then tier three, tier four. And it, it spills out the, uh, you know, the um, uh, considerations that the teacher needs to give. And I, I quite like uh, the checklist that's there because uh, before uh, you move to saying, oh, we need to have, uh, you know, Fred Flintstone needs to move to tier three now. The question that gets asked is, have you tried everything in tier two? And have you spent two to three or four weeks waiting to see if it's effective? So it really is a nice accountability uh, feature that sort of says, not sort of says, it says to teachers, before you, um, you know, move, uh, move into the uh, mindset or the headspace of saying, oh, this child has learning difficulties, I now need to move him or her to somebody else's responsibility. We pause and say, you know what, all children are my responsibility. And my objective is to keep them in my classroom for as long as I can, uh, providing the quality supports that I am trained to give. And then I only reach out for uh, supports outside the classroom when the child's needs are profound enough um, or challenging enough that, uh, that I cannot address that. So that's another structure that we've developed. I'm very pleased with the fact that schools are using those, um, those um, uh, continua of support in developing their own uh, uh, continuum uh, uh, of support uh, for academic, behavioral, and uh, mental health. And uh, on that note, um, a number of schools have actually reached out um, and they've uh, partnered. So Jennifer Ferguson School decides that they're going to do uh, universal supports for um, literacy and Jeff Thompson School decides well we'll do it for numeracy in K to six and we'll share back and forth. Now that that level of sharing is not right where we want it to be to be yet but we've certainly made some very nice gains in in that regard I must say and I'm, I'm very happy about that. So um, 
I've, I've already mentioned that we have uh, collaborative response sessions at our admin association meetings and uh, uh, you know and these have been value very valuable in building uh, capacity for administrators they've become much more confident in their work and of course when you're confident you're more likely to go back and do the work you need to do uh, you, you know uh, change is difficult as we both know and um, a pretty prolific uh, author who's now dead unfortunately Philip Schlesky uh, once uh, he wrote several things, but one th he wrote a book called Shaking Up the Schoolhouse in 2001 or two. And basically the essence of that book was this, that you are either a change adept leader or a change inept leader. Well, we're moving all of our uh, administrators to be change adept and collaborative response is the vehicle we're using to ensure that that happens. Because again, as I mentioned at the outset, what uh, collaborative response speaks to me about, and it shouts out at me loud and clear, is that it's about interventions and almost nothing else. Uh, and I qualify that a bit. It's about uh, answering question three that PLCs unfortunately never did answer uh, as, as successfully as was intended. And when I say about um, interventions and, and responding to uh, um, uh, question three and nothing else, well, obviously, uh, in order to respond to question three, uh, teachers need to have skill sets to be able to uh, differentiate instruction and assessment. They need to have a repertoire of various strategies to try and a good grounding in becoming assessment literate so that uh, they know uh, what a benchmark assessment is to do and you know what, what the purpose of uh, progress monitoring is and why we benchmark and progress monitor and the importance of formative and summative assessment. So that's the other thing, by the way, I, I, I failed to mention earlier I have I, I've got a long-standing background in informative assessment and uh, did my PhD studies in that area and spent a lot of time working with schools to try to reculture them to become uh, the staff to become assessment literate because the argument is once you become assessment literate you automatically become a better uh, a differentiator of instruction and so collaborative response was a beautiful beautiful fit with that whole thrust because I will argue that in order to be truly involved in and in order to truly embrace a collaborative response approach to teaching and learning you really do need to have a good grasp of the role that assessment plays and what's formative and what's summative and you know how, uh, how to interpret data and how to become move from being uh, uh, not only data rich but information rich you know we collect all kinds of data and it's just there. And until we tease it apart and disaggregate it uh, to get lean better meaning from it, um, you will still remain information poor. So, um, you know, collaborative response spoke to me in volumes in that uh, around that as well. Jeff, your passion for collaborative response comes through in everything that you're sharing with me. I just need to take a step back because there's so much in what you've shared. <laughs> You mentioned the development of the continuum of support at the district level. What was the process for that development and how was it shared with schools? So uh, my colleague Alita Plock and her team took the lead in that. So the learning um, uh, support staff, um, you know, our eye coaches and, and, and Alita took the lead in that and our social workers were involved in the mental health piece. So basically um, uh, how that came to be, um, you know, we were having our meetings with Curtis uh, and, you know, the school teams were there doing their pieces and they were coming together looking at their uh, collaborative response work and, uh, you know, uh, celebrations so far, next steps and so on. And so we were getting our heads around, you know, the fact that we do need to be 
stepping up to the plate a bit more, do work that would be seen as supportive of schools in their work. And so that's how it initially came into, uh, into being that basically, look, at a division level, it would be really good if we could put in place um, continua of supports that would be guides for schools um, to uh, you know, use when they're doing their, uh, you know, setting up their non-negotiables and what needs to be happening in uh, you know, the um, uh, tier one, uh, you know, at the classroom level and tier two, um, the universal uh, supports and the uh, classroom-based intervention supports. And so they did that piece of work it went through various iterations. Uh, it was vetted out, shared with uh, our administrators association, uh, our principals and vice principals and, and division level staff. Uh, and uh, after vetting it out, there was, there was tweaking that was done with it. And, uh, and you know, it's still, some of the documents probably still need to be tweaked a bit, but uh, that was certainly how it initially un un unfolded. Um, and uh, schools are certainly using those documents and uh, we've, we, we've gotten some very good positive feedback around that. A related piece that we've uh, embarked upon, which we're doing is um, um, we're, uh, I spent some time years ago uh, working with Kenneth Leithwood's turnaround, uh, turn, uh, you know, turning around schools that were in trouble. And, um, and uh, so we put in place a, a, a broad-based change initiative to help struggling schools. So when a school is in the red zone, what do you do at a division level? And when a school is in the yellow zone, what do you do at a division level? Well, um, the red zone is obvious. Uh, you know, it's an all-out blitz of division level staff moving in for an intense period of time until we get structures and processes and routines and behaviors and attitudes shifted so that they're in a, on a different uh, pathway. The yellow, uh, it depends. If you've been in the red and you're now in the yellow, you might say, wow, fantastic work. Continue on with the great initiatives that you've started because look where you were and look where you are. If you've traditionally been in the green, but you're now back in the yellow for three years in a row, wow, what the heck is going on? We need to get back to some of those great practices that serve you well in the past. And so it's all about, uh, you know, teasing apart the data, looking at trends and then responding accordingly. So we've been doing some work at, a, at, at other work at a division level for the entire team, both the learning supports and teaching and learning team, putting together a model that is going to be the district's response to schools that struggle. And it's paralleling the uh, school-based approach that we are expecting of schools to put in place when students in a classroom uh, aren't uh, performing at the level they need to. We are expecting an escalating level of, of interventions. And so we're going to sort of put our money where our mouths are and have a division level approach to that as well. So we've done some significant work. Where we are not quite ready to go live, but we're pretty close to going live. And what it will mean is that for a school that's struggling, say, in literacy and numeracy and a pile of other things across the board, then that's a red zone school. And so our program coordinators for literacy and numeracy, our social workers, our eye coaches, we'll all uh, you know, work with the administrator and staff to give them skill sets they need to be in a different place. And so that's different than the school who might be struggling in just mathematics. It might be that's a real big, you know, big struggle, but that might mean one person or two people goes. Our programs coordinator for mathematics would visit that school for an intense period of time to get that back on track. So it's looking at how we um, uh, how we respond and in what way and how much of a response we give, and we want that to be a deliberate process using data 
well-grounded data so that when schools see us um, doing our piece of work, they say, oh yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing, what I'm supposed to be doing at school level, except that it's scaled up to a broad-based uh, systems level. So that's the other piece of work that we're doing around, uh, you know, structures at a, at a system level that can help uh, shape um, and bring a finer point to the collaborative response work at the school level. And, um, you know, it's a work in progress as, as, as it is for every school. And this is a journey, not a, not a sprint. And, uh, you know, five years from now, we'll say, you know what, we made some gains, but there's a ways to go. And um, Kenneth Leithwood said, you know, once you think that the school has turned itself around, the mistake that many organizations make is that that's when they sort of turn their attention to something else when in actual fact, just when you get to the spot where you think they turn themselves around, that's when you actually blitz the supports even more for another two or three year period so that it becomes ingrained. So I suppose just like the student, when you think that he or she has the concept, that's not the time to leave and go and do something else or introduce another topic to them. Let's blitz that a bit more so that it is ingrained and it's going to be sure to stick. Collaborative response at the district level. I'm very excited. <laughs> you talked a little bit about the, the data and evidence being a driving force in the conversations that you're having about schools and that you want the data and evidence and your passion for assessment comes through. What is the process for digging into data and evidence at the district level or across your division when it comes to collaborative response? Yeah, that's an excellent uh, area for growth for us. So um, I would say to you that we're still into our infancy there. Uh, when I came on board in 2017, one of the things I was asked to do was to help build um, an assessment culture within the organization to help uh, create assessment literacy or to help people become more assessment literate. Um, we've done a lot of work in that area, but like anything, that too is a major change initiative. And I would say that, you know, while we've had some great success, uh, we're still, you know, we're not, we haven't yet arrived and we're still working our way through that. So um, we've done some work uh, recently around common assessments um, for grades seven through 12 mathematics and science uh, that um, unfolded quite nicely. And we need to get back to that now. COVID has sort of uh, gotten us uh, off track a little bit, uh, but we will get back to that. Uh, I, uh, we've also made a decision to acquire through Intellimedia uh, who has partnered with Jigsaw Learning to acquire uh, their dossier software and uh, the, uh, the collaborative response or the WeCollab tile uh, for, uh, for data um, uh, analysis. And you'd be very familiar with that based on uh, some involvement with us. And um, so again, that's uh, still, uh, we're still working the bugs out in that, but uh, we're in a good spot compared to where we were last year. And so we will be using uh, the, the dossier software as the vehicle to allow us to move from being um, uh, data rich to information rich. Uh, you know, uh, there's lots of data. Uh, it's in, you know, whether it's uh, this provincial, provincially archived data or individual school report cards, students, cumulative files, and so on. There's lots and lots and lots of data. What there isn't lots of, or there hasn't been lots of, are smart ways to tease apart that data to gain the meaning that we need to gain from it in a hurry. 
And so that's what, where we're focusing our attention next to zero in on important data so that when I ask a question, how many of our students in semester one or at the halfway point uh, by report uh, reporting period one are not performing at an acceptable level in and as almost as soon as they say the subject area and grade level, somebody clicks the button and within 10 seconds we have that information. And then the next step is now that we've identified those students uh, who are struggling, so the flagging of students, which is a pillar piece to uh, the success that collaborative response is having because that is a deliberate focus. The next thing we can turn our attention to then is uh, zeroing in on the kinds of strategies we might want to deploy. As one administrator said to me, when we announced uh, uh, dossier software and, and the administrative team started dabbling in it, she said, you know, um, now and only now can we turn our attention to the, the, what the focus of collaborative response is to be, and that is to focus on strategies and approaches, because before we were mining data, we were spending all of our time and effort trying to pull data together and glean meaning from it. Now we can click and get and we can you know, direct our attention there. So that's, uh, we're building the system right now uh, to become much more data savvy and uh, to become much more informed about uh, the critical role that the analysis of data plays in informing administrators and teachers about where they next need to go in uh, that quest to ensure collaborative response for children in need. And so we've also anchored it into our three-year education plan. We sort of, uh, you talk about, you know, tough accountability or blunt accountability or soft touch accountability. So I'd like to think um, uh, that we've in, in implemented a few soft touch accountability pieces. So here's one gentle accountability piece. Um, some mightn't see it as gentle, but we do. So in our three-year plan, I already mentioned, we have three goals. And the first goal is that all students are literate. The second goal, all students are numerate. And the third goal, all students are, you know, educated in, a, in a, uh, an inclusionary responsive environment. So let's stick with the first two. All students are literate. And then the outcome is, all, you know, for that one is all students are achieving an, ex, uh, you know, at grade level in literacy um, or uh, uh, meeting their goals in their individualized program plan. So it's an acknowledgement that some children will never be at grade level, but still will have an amazing success and develop to their fullest potential. And so what we've done is we've anchored in uh, our three-year ed plan for ELA, for example, that Founders and Pinnell benchmark data will uh, be admit, uh, gathered for grade one, grades one to eight three times a year. We're also assess, uh, administering a, a reading assessment uh, tool um, that we've partnered with an, another agency on twice a year. We're developing, uh, uh, modeling off the HLAT from Edmonton Public, but we've developed our own uh, writing assessment tool that we're going to administer a couple of times a year. And that's going to be a part of our performance measures when we report to our publics. And so therefore schools have had to write plans aligned with that as well. So we're going, we're, we are, have now gotten to a place where come next fall, we're not going to, I'll be surprised if we have to spend a lot of time and effort tracking down schools and saying, hey, where's your uh, Founders and Pinnell data? Where's your uh, RCAT data? Because you see, they will now have to report on how well their students have done on that in their year in plan. So it's sort of a way of getting beyond the struggles of trying to make it happen and just saying, you know what, this is so important. We just had to get it done because this is just the step we need to get to 
to make those informed decisions about the interventions we need to put in place so that the children will learn. So back to the principal's comment, you know, we are finally getting to a spot where we're not putting our massive amounts of time and effort into, uh, you know, just piling up the data. We're, we're you know, getting it for a purpose. It can then be loaded into a dossier and we can make some big important decisions about that. Likewise for math, we're using the MIPI, the, uh, the Edmonton Public, with, the, with permission from Edmonton Public. And we've developed our own numeracy common assessment tool for grades one to nine, and we're uh, wrapping that piece up as well. So I guess what I'm saying is that uh, indeed, we are rapidly moving uh, to become an organization that's more assessment literate and more plugged into the importance of getting the data so that we can be better positioned to identify those students who truly need the help. As Curtis and company say in their book, you know, as one of, with one of their, um, you know, profiles of a school as an example, if you ask the question, how are your students doing? Most teachers will probably say they're doing, you know, doing fine and with no ill intent. If you ask a different question, okay, they're doing great, but how many, so who is it that aren't, you know, who's not doing as well as you'd like them to be doing? And you start peeling back the layers. And once you do, it doesn't take too long to realize, gee, there are students here who actually need tier two, uh, you know, supports. They need some extra supports at the classroom level so as to be proactive so that they're not later um, requiring, you know, tier three support for some, from somebody outside. So um, again, this is a major work in progress for us. Uh, we are building capacity with administrators. They're all becoming more data savvy and they're going to be able to disaggregate results in a meaningful kind of way. And earlier I mentioned that collaborative response uh, uh, one of the reasons why the, it spoke to me was that it, it was a great fit with assessment and the importance of being assessment literate and the, the two go hand in hand. Assessment literate people or ed educators will be, in my view, better positioned to embrace collaborative response as an important change initiative than those who are not assessment literate. And so we're moving forward on that, on that front as well. And the two certainly complement each other. The two initiatives complement each other in a nice kind of way.